And we are live. Today, we got a special, special show. We have a special guest in the building. This is Dynasty Overload, a fantasy podcast. Today, I'm bringing Dave Hillman to the building. Fantasy Dorks uh, representative, podcast host of the SGP Network, senior dynasty analyst. This guy knows his stuff. When he said that he wanted to be a guest on the show, I said, what? A guest on our little old podcast? Man, I am excited to have you here with us, Dave. And of course, we got Shior with us today. Heard of the Dynasty Overload podcast going to be here today. We're going to get this thing on and popping. How are you feeling today, Dave? Doing great, man. It's always good to talk football. And uh, congrats on getting the show off the ground, man. It's uh, I, I know it's 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 tough, and, and uh, I'm excited to be on here. Hey man, thank you so much. So the Lord, uh, I'm she Lord, man. Do we have any uh, current events? Uh, man, this, uh, right now we ready to jump right into strategy. This is strategy show. I'm crunk. I'm ready to go. Um, you know, Dave, super excited to have you here. Um, so no, definitely want to just get right to it. Nothing really major popping right now today, uh, but definitely should see some more breaking news, some more coaching hires, and everything next week. Awesome, awesome. And Dave put up a post, an awesome post on Twitter. So we're going to get through those questions as well. But before we get to those, my question to you guys is, I've been playing Dynasty now for four years. So I'm very new to Dynasty. But uh, let's go with big, biggest mistakes that you've done in your Dynasty career so far. I'm going to go first. Uh, when I first joined my first Dynasty League, I think I had the 101 or the 102. It doesn't even matter. They were interchangeable. That was the year of Kyle Murray, Josh Jacobs. I was cool with either one. I jump in the league, and a guy offers me Rob Gronkowski for the 102. I said, yes, I get an elite tight end. <laughs> it wasn't tight end premium. And I make this deal. The minute I make this deal, Rob Gronkowski retires. <laughs> Damn. That is a big mistake. Do not sell your picks for aging vets. Anybody else want to go next on their biggest mistake so far? I, I'll go. Uh, Ryan McDowell put on there, who was your first dynasty pick? And it kind of took me down memory lane of, man, I mean, I've been playing fantasy football for a long time. My home league, the first pick was Allen Robinson, and he tore his ACL in the opening Ooh. game. Um that was that's brutal and, and yeah that's that's how it goes man that's how it goes sometimes that's tough she lord so my biggest thing is this even though you like somebody don't take them super early um there was a year that um literally matthew berry was like oh my gosh Corderell patterson is the man <laughs> Vikings drafted him. I'm watching him. He's big. He's got all these different traits. He's like, oh, he's going to be Justin Jefferson before Justin Jefferson. Mm -hmm. And I draft him, and he's a complete dud. I think I used like a third-round pick on him. And then somebody I could have probably grabbed way down the line. Still been wrong, right? But, you know, not waste my third-round pick. So even though you get excited, don't fall for the hype train. That's my lesson learned and, and definitely my advice that I would actually give people going forward. That's a good one. Every year I say, I'm not joining another dynasty startup. And I think I've done five already this off season <laughs> with a sixth one on the way. So, so Dave, 
what is your favorite strategy in a dynasty startup? Yeah, so um, this is this has evolved a little bit. You know, when you first start with dynasty, you're kind of got to switch your brain from a redraft brain, and we're, we're and and if you're going from a redraft mindset, you're probably going to go with running backs early, <laughs> and so. That would be the the biggest change for me is stacking up those receivers. I still like to get one, at least one stud running back that I can go with, but I don't mind taking a, a receiver early. I don't mind taking a Travis Kelsey early, um, those kind of things. But yeah, that's the biggest the biggest thing for me is um, I, I like to make sure I stack my receivers because you're looking at. If you look at your teams two years after the draft, mm-hmm. probably the whole team's been turned over. And so the receivers have the most value. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at look at them like assets, and that's why I stack up the receivers. Okay, Dave, let me ask you this before I go to uh, Sheilor. When you are grabbing your running back, how early are you grabbing that stud back? Is it second round? Is it third? Is it fourth round? It, it really just – you kind of have your – like the your rankings are linear – but I like to put them in tiers mm-hmm. and just say, these are guys that I would be comfortable with them being my RB one. And so there might only be seven or eight guys. Mm-hmm. So if I look and say, Hey, this guy's not going to make it back to me in a one quarterback league in the third round, I will go as early as the second round. But if I'm comfortable saying, Hey, there's three or four more guys on the board. I can wait till round three and get two really, really stud receivers or Travis Kelsey and a stud receiver, then I'll just, I'll make that play. But it's all about that tier break. Mm-hmm. I love it. Sheilor? For me, it's all about asset acquisition. Um, I'm probably the king of asset acquisition. Whenever I can trade down and I can grab additional picks, I grab additional rookie picks for the new year. Um, that's always going to be the thing that I'm trying to do. Like, I believe we had a startup already. And at this point, I've acquired five 23 first-round picks and two 24 first round picks already. So I'm not trying to win now. And, you know, it's the best time to really acquire assets right there in that opening draft because everybody wants to win now. (laughs) And I take advantage of it every time. And by year two, I have this dynamic, young, uh, amazing team that nobody wants to deal with that's ready to be a bully. Mm-hmm. So always try to acquire as many assets as possible in a startup for me. Okay. And for me, what I like to do is I've noticed that in a startup, I do not need my first round pick. If I can trade my first round pick for a second and a third or even a second and a fourth, my team looks a whole lot better. I remember a recent um, a league that I just did. Um, I traded down and I think the guy gave me, uh, second and fourth, I ended up with a team that had Amara St. Brown, uh, possibly Garrett Wilson, and another stud-type wide receiver like that. And then I was still able to get my quarterback <laughs> because I had four picks within that, you know, within that range, and it was beautiful. So every time I might draft one, trade one, trade back, draft one, trade one, draft one, trade one. And then at the end, everybody is like, oh, my gosh. How did your team end up like this? And and then even in that process, I grabbed the best available asset to where after the draft, I'm now trading to grab some 23 picks. And when I'm grabbing 23 picks, I'm looking at it like this. If I have Chris Olave, do I like Chris Olave or do I like 103? 
Do I like Chris Olave? Do I like 106? Who can I get in this range? So I build my team a little bit differently now from when I did last year. <laughs> Sheila had a league, Mad Dash. I joined, and my mistake was going running back heavy. Now I get running backs cheap. And if I don't get running backs within that rookie year, sophomore year, I do, I do not want them on my team. Give me those stud wide receivers. And I'm kind of like you, Dave. I do like Kelsey a lot. I always grab Kelsey third, fourth round because when you have a Kelsey, regardless of age, he is the best tight end in the league. And if it's tight end premium, oh, man, you're such at a huge advantage already. Yep. Now, let's talk um, – so when you're building your teams, right, you have your dynasty startup, you're building your teams. What if you're taking over an orphan team? What is your strategy there? I'm going to start with Dave. Yeah, well, the first thing I'm going to do is evaluate my roster. Is this team, if you're if you're in the middle, you're probably you're in a terrible place. You either got to figure out, am I a contender or am I, am I going to rebuild it? Most of the time, if I'm taking an orphan, I'm going to tear that thing down. Because most of the time it's going to be players I don't like, and mm-hmm. so I am I am immediately going and, and doing what I can to trade pieces. So when you're trading pieces, running backs are the easiest thing to trade. Mm-hmm. People, you know, people definitely need running backs, so you get them all off the boat and and just start you know start looking towards the draft, and then you know kind of like you know like Shalir said earlier in the draft you can trade back. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, collecting picks, you know, I took over an orphan. I had the one Oh three guy was a huge Jonathan Taylor fan. And I said, you know what, this team is not going to be ready to go in the the next year traded back got, and I ended up locking down the picks because I got Justin Herbert, super flex and Justin Mm -hmm. Jefferson. Nice. There you go. For for Jonathan Taylor. And so then, and another pick like a second round pick the year Mm -hmm. after. But those kind of moves where, like, Jonathan Taylor was a great pick, but I got two great players plus an additional asset by being patient. And so, again, that's that's what I'm doing, collecting assets, and really you can't turn it all around in one year. Absolutely. I, I love that. That's a great way to do it. Um, Shilor, what about you? So me and Dave are, are on the exact same page along that. Another thing I think that's really underrated is when you're walking into a brand new league and you're taking over orphan, making sure that you actually learn your league mates. Uh, one of the first things that I always want to do is send a brand new message out. Hey, how you doing? Good to connect with you. How's everything going? Kind of getting an idea and getting a feel for exactly what's going on with that person um, and really start establishing relationships because in Dynasty, it's not like redraft. These are going to be your future trade partners. You might actually have some additional leagues and really being able to kind of build that network in such a fashion um, that, hey, they're going to talk to you first when they're thinking about moving something. You know, when you can show yourself agreeable and, and you're able to get along with people, it makes a huge difference there. So that's my typical strategy in that regard. Oh, we got another one. Got, we got, got a baby boy with me. He woke up, so I had to go grab him. <laughs> There I had to go is. grab him, man. This is Mini Manny. Mini yeah, Manny. Mini Manny, Manny, what's up? <laughs> what's up, Mini Manny? Yeah, he's kind of mad uh, right now. My son has joined the shows plenty of times. So I, you know how I it definitely, is. We'll have to do a father and son podcast sometime. Absolutely. Yes, she will bring your son over, too. <laughs> Look, I'll be like, go to bed. 
So, man, yeah, I my, love it, man. Um, what were we just talking about right now? I'm sorry. So he was giving a, a great tip about really treating it like a business. Mm-hmm. And you got to have business relationships. And so I, I wrote an article last summer about kind of the, the tips to trading. And mm-hmm. one of the things that you just said is exactly what I put in there was treat it like a business. If you go and try to rip Manny off, he's going to stop looking at your DMs, stop looking at your trades. If if you're being a jerk in the chat, you're every time that Manny makes a trade, you're trashing him. Yep. Like <laughs> it's okay to talk junk. Like that's part right. of the game. But if you like you you want to you want to have as many bridges as possible because mm-hmm. there's only 11 teams in most of your leagues that you can trade with. Exactly. And you, you probably got a couple guys you don't like to trade with. So it's mm-hmm. even less than that. Mm-hmm. And then you got like, oh, these guys are, you know, these guys are rebuilding. These guys are here. So they may not match your needs. So treat it like a business, um, you know, and it's going to really, really help you, especially when you need something. Absolutely. I love it. When I take over an orphan team, I assess, I like to think, am I going to win now or am I going to win later? And if I can come in and blow the team up and get the assets that I want to then build a team the way that I want to build a team, I'm okay with that. You know, you come in, people talk junk. Oh, you came in and you blew up a team that was a playoff team, blah, blah. I was not there. I don't care about what happened last year. I just care about building this team the way I want to build my team. Mm -hmm. So I've acquired 23 assets, bunch of second round picks, bunch of third round picks, bunch of uh, 24 firsts, and then I build it how I want to build it. So it's always good to be in control and never be forced to go and compete when you're not ready to compete. I think that's a big mistake that people make. Mm-hmm. Somebody will dangle a Josh Allen at you. And she Lord knows I love me some jo- Josh Allen. That's me. I'm like, Come get him. I say, okay, <laughs> Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes combo. That can last for some years. So there's some guys that I would go after. And then even if I don't win, then it's like, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to talk about some don'ts, some things that you do not do in Dynasty. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be listening to this podcast being newbies in the Dynasty uh, space. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave, give me three things that you should not do in a Dynasty league. Yeah, well, the don'ts are kind of the opposite of the do's, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. don't come in unprepared. If you come in unprepared, you don't know your league settings, that's going to be a huge mistake. You don't want to find out, you know, you're like, wait, seven quarterbacks off the board? I just, you just went and took B. John Robinson, now seven quarterback. Oh, it's a super <laughs> flex. Oh, I didn't know that. Or, oh, there's all these bonuses and premiums and stuff. Like, maybe you didn't even want to join that league. Like, that's that's the first thing is be prepared, know your league settings. Um, the, the other thing is don't, I mean, don't add leagues. If you don't want to join more leagues, like we all have been there where we just, we, we join too many leagues in the off season and we get stuck with it. It's real easy to be like, Hey, I'm going to, I find another owner. Yo, Manny, I'm not having that much fun in this league anymore. I'm in way too many, but don't worry. I got this guy. And you know, a lot of times you, you know, pay the, the year, the, the dues ahead of time for that dude or something and you just hand it over and get out of there, it'll definitely make you better in your other leagues. Because if you have way too many, you're, you're you know. And then the the other don't is, uh, you know, as far as we talked about earlier, like 
you want to acquire assets, don't worry so much about building your team. So like I got a good example. So we're in a startup right now. And, you know, I took the 112. And the, the 112 can't get arrested, can't tear its ACL, can't get suspended for PEDs. It's going to sit there until our draft. And then they took players that I honestly think if I were to offer Manny the 112 for them, he would jump all over it. Mm-hmm. Traylon Burks, Deontay Johnson, Jahan Dotson, Rashad Bateman, D- Damian Pierce, Brock Purdy. It's a super flex. Mm-hmm. David, David Njoku, Pat Frymuth, and Derek Carr. So I feel like the 112 was the best asset. Gives me a lot of flexibility as far as my – but they were more worried about putting together a lineup, and I'm just acquiring assets. And I said, that's the most valuable asset at the table. Give me that. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, Sheilor? So the don'ts. Um, Don't draft a bunch of veteran players. This is Dynasty. Do not come out grabbing, you know, your 29-year-old receivers, your 28-year-old running backs, you know, your 40-year-old quarterbacks. That is a recipe for disaster. I saw a couple drafts last year where I saw people literally come out. They grabbed Tom Brady in a third round because it's a super flex league and they're panicking and trying to do different things. I mean, it's a lot of different assets. So now today, Tom Brady's in a retirement state. Like now you have a hole at quarterback, whereas in the third round, you could have grabbed a more valuable asset. So number one, don't grab aging players. Number two, uh, do not trade your next year's first round pick. Because you never know how your year is going to go. You can have a phenomenal team. How many times have you had phenomenal teams? And then that bell cow running back, that Jonathan Taylor last year, goes down. And now you go from a team that you think is going to be in the playoffs and in the championship hunt to a team that literally has no shot of being successful. But somebody else gets to benefit from your 2024 first-round pick. I got me a Bajan Robinson share on two different leagues. Because the guys that I traded with, they wanted to win now. And guess what? I'm sitting here having a competitive team. And now I'm about to add B. John Robinson to two teams that my team was still fine. But I grabbed those assets. And now I'm sitting here with the 1-1 this year. Um, And then the last thing, um, the opposite of what I was talking about earlier. Do not be a jerk to your league mates. When that happens, when you always have something negative to say, Um, When you're sending out trades that you know you wouldn't touch, it really rubs people the wrong way. And a lot of times, you know, it's called being a bad hang is what I would look at it from a business standpoint, from a corporate standpoint in life. Right. If I don't want to talk to you, if I don't want to have a communication with you, then at that point, I'm definitely not going to trade with you. And it's also going to slow down your network if you want to actually get into more dynasty leagues. It makes a big difference because no one's going to want to invite the guy who's the jerk in the league. So don't be the jerk. So it goes back to what I was saying. Do not be forced to compete because what happens is we always go for the win. If you're a competitor, if you're a winner, if you're, you know, a guy who goes and get to the go-getter, you get those guys when you dangle players at them and then they end up giving up all their assets. So now you have gone all in for this championship and you do not get it. So then next year you don't have the picks. Then it's yeah. like, what if you miss the playoffs? That has happened. 
to several people where you go all in, you miss the playoffs, and then you have no picks. And then you have injuries and people retire and things of that nature. Then you're just in a bad place to where sometimes people quit. Mm -hmm. So you have to be smart with the way that you build your team. Never give away all your assets. Even if you want to win now and you want to trade your first, always keep a rookie pick at least a second round, something. That way you can go all in on that pick. Like I'm in a league where I went win now and I sold some assets. I came into that league not having any assets. I had a third. I had Isaiah Likely. Before the blow up, I traded that third and Isaiah Likely to get a second. Obviously, that second ended up being uh, uh, 211, so that was terrible. Then I traded James Conner in 206. I traded, um, uh, what's that guy? Desmond Ritter for the 206. Traded that 206 and James Conner to get 202. Now, that 202 is almost as good as a first-round pick in this deep draft. So it just goes to show, always have something to kind of look forward to. You can't have a team that's just full of vets. You have to have new blood coming in each year. So I'm going to go all in on that 202 with hopes that I can bring in a nice running back or a nice tight end, tight end premium, or whatever the case may be. So never be bullied into competing now, especially when you know your team is not ready to compete. That's a big Mm -hmm. mistake that people do. You go all in, and then your team ends up being so bad. Then it's like, then now you're stuck. Team isn't good. You're frustrated. You you traded all all of your picks, and then now you don't like Dynasty anymore. So Mm -hmm. do not give away your assets. But, Dave, man, you have a great thread with the question that you asked. So Dave on his Twitter said, Dynasty Startup Strategy Question. What are some do's and don'ts or or some do's and don'ts that you recommend for beginners in general? Because, yes, we're pros in Dynasty, but there's some people that have never played Dynasty. Like, I brought in one of my guys. He wanted to try Dynasty League, and he said, hey, I need a refresher course. And I'm like, oh, man, we we have not recorded it yet. But hopefully you can, you know, listen to this episode and then get back at it, try another startup, and then try to use some of these things that we have implemented. So somebody says, know all of your settings very, very well. Trading down in the first round. In the first round, you, I'm reading this wrong. So he's pretty much saying trade down in the first round. He says also he advised not to trade future first unless it's an absolute steal. That's a good one. Let's 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 talk about this. I have seen people trade their 24 first in hopes that they hit a home run in the startup. And what happens is nine times out of 10, an injury or two, something happens and those guys end up missing the playoffs. So I'm kind of like Shilor. If I can get that 24 first, especially if I know the nature of that manager and I say, ah, you're not, the, you know, you're, you're not the best manager. Maybe I can take advantage of this situation. Hey, here's a Darren Waller. Give me a 24 first. You get them every single time because people are always in on the big names, on the vets. And most likely those people that go all in usually end up going all out. So, Dave, talk a little bit about this. Yeah. So um, usually the teams that are trading up into your startups, they usually are top heavy teams. Mm -hmm. And so they don't have a lot of depth. They don't have a lot of assets and all of it's kind of wrapped up into a couple players. I'll give a good example. I had a team this year at a startup. We started up last year. So the guy traded up 
got Justin Jefferson, traded up, got Jonathan Taylor, traded up, got Mark Andrews. Didn't have a pick for like four more rounds. And so Jonathan Taylor obviously didn't have a good year. You got Mark Andrews didn't have a good year. Mm -hmm. And Justin Jefferson had a great year, but it was wasted. And this guy, this guy made the playoffs, got knocked out first round because his team had no depth. And so he was, you know, he was trying to get him on Ross St. Brown for me. And I'm like, uh, like, listen, everybody, everybody's for sale, but you know, I'm not going to sell them for what you're asking. What about now, man? Like, you know, I'm not going to take a 25 first for Monroe St. Brown. Like, you know, and so like he doesn't have anything. So really like he's got to break down those big pieces to make it to where, you know, um, you know, unless you're starting five players only that you need some depth and that's what happens. And these other teams, they got assets, depth and a couple good players and they, you know, beat the crap out of them. That's I mean, that's pretty good. She lore. So the next year's pick, right? So that 24 first, what you have to understand is it's always times that you want to buy and times that you want to sell, right? So um, startup drafts is where I want to kind of accumulate assets. And what's great is a lot of times what we're doing is we're actually setting it up with a lot of our rookie drafts are separate from our startup drafts. So as we get closer to that rookie draft, everyone that's trading me now, they're 23 first. It's going to be very excited. When they see all the highlight film and they start to see all the notes and then you see landing spots and all those types of things where I can now almost like triple those assets, the value of what I actually took to grab them and then now be able to flip them again come May when I'm on the clock and, you know, your favorite team's guy is sitting there. So that's really the thought process there. And then also for the future future first round picks, so the 24 first, hold those in your leaps maintain the control of your draft pick because in that same way towards the trade deadline, you're going to have people that are trying to offload assets. And that's the time to let go of that first round pick. If you actually know, Hey, I'm locked in for the playoffs. And now I'm looking at my competitors and Hey, I just need to get number wide receiver or Hey, my quarterback just went down. I still got that first where I can actually trade that to a team that I know that's actually tanking for the new year. And I can go ahead and grab that asset from them. So it's not necessarily that you're trading your assets, but it's also the right time to trade them. When you're on the clock and you got 20 minutes left and they know the last quarterback is about to go, (laughs) oh, man, you're looking at a whole haul that you can grab right in that Mm -hmm. particular moment. So you have to pick your spots in terms of when to do it and not just trading just to trade. I love it. Somebody also said draft for value trade for need later never pass up on the better player because you are in light in a light situation so i mean because you are light at a certain position what i like about this is this is treated like an actual nfl draft i always say draft the best prospect available mm-hmm. now in you know in the nfl free agency for need <laughs> you know and then the actual nfl draft is for the best talent. Sometimes you're looking for that generational type talent. Mm-hmm. Now, I was in a draft. I actually missed the draft. Computer did the draft. And I ended up with Chase, Jamar Chase, because you had all these guys who had needs for a quarterback or a need for a running back. People went running back heavy because in, you know, in a one quarterback league, most leagues actually running backs are king. 
So they go for the need, and you know, you're hearing all the things about Jamar. He can't catch, he's this, he's that, he missed a year of football, he missed this. And I come back and I look at my team and I said, What? I got Jamar Chase at the 107. That is why you always draft the best player, regardless. Later on in the dynasty case, you can now trade for need. I'm always going to grab the value every single time. I don't care how my team looks. There are times when I don't even have a running back or I drafted three total running backs and I took receiver, receiver, receiver in a four flex league, knowing that it's PPR. I grab the receivers. If it's tight end premium, I grab as many elite to good tight ends as possible because you never know that Evan Ingram could happen at any point. Any one of those tight ends could be the next Evan Ingram. And then guess what? You got them at the value instead of getting that wide receiver three that doesn't even matter or grabbing that RB2 that doesn't even matter. Dave, talk to me a little bit about this. Yeah. And so, um, you know, one thing that you have to do is you have to mock draft. And so mock drafting is a great way to get some to get a good feel for kind of how you like to build your roster, good feel to where the value is. And so, like, just to talk about the the assets like when you are, when you put the draft picks in the draft, it gives them a little bit different value because like I just said, Brock Purdy 112 was in, in a super flex. They went back to back in the draft, but later on in the draft, I'm looking at the board and I'm like, this is like wide, my wide receiver 56 in, in my dynasty rankings and the 208 still on the board, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm, obviously taking the 208 even though i needed a third or fourth receiver or whatever it was and so you're you're really you know doing the mock drafts gives you the ability to do that and Mm -hmm. again collecting those assets so then later on you know whenever you know the, the season's starting i can then make some moves if i need to but as i said earlier you don't really worry about your wide receiver two or setting your lineup in February. Mm-hmm. I love it. Sidebar, Dave, who would you rather have right now? Tony Pollard or the 111? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's a good one. And and looking back at where that draft went, that's Pollard went a little earlier than that. I think uh, I think but I he might have broken his leg after the because it was during the draft. So I'll 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 take Pollard over the 111, um, just because I, I do believe in the talent. I think when he was out, you could see how that offense just fell off the rails. Um, mm-hmm. I think Dallas is everything can to get him back. If not, you know, look seeing him going somewhere like Miami or something like that would be very exciting. So it's a good that's a good question, but I'll I'll take Pollard. So. Put that on Twitter, and I got a 50-50 split. It was amazing. It was amazing to see. So, Shilor, talk to me about um, the value thing. I mean, it's really what you do. Mm-hmm. Are you trying to grab the value? Are you flipping the value? Um, are you trading for a need later? I mean, I've seen you do it. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on that real quick. So, as far as the value piece, right, um, I think Dave hit a great point as far as the mock drafting. Um, one of the things that I think is very important is that you know exactly when there are tier breaks within the talent that you like in your draft. 
Right. So for me, whenever I'm doing a startup right now, if there are not rookies involved, it's not rookie picks involved. I know that after round nine, there's a serious talent drop off right there. So what I want to try to do is acquire as many assets as I can within those first nine rounds. But I'm not trying to acquire assets afterwards. Um, in addition to the mock draft piece, I think it's important that when you do them, uh, especially in a sleeper format, you can actually go back in and actually review the results from the draft. And even when you make trades on the sleeper app, which really is really cool, it actually takes into account the trades that you've made. So you can actually mock draft with your new draft positions. So grabbing those additional pieces, making sure you're as prepared as possible when it's draft day is always major. Um, so that way you can continuously go along that process um, and then kind of seeing exactly where your sleepers fall. Like the last draft that we did, we did a show on it last night. Um, literally, the way everything laid out, I had all of my sleepers pegged. I knew exactly where I was going rounds 13 through 20. And to sit back and just surgically grab every guy that I wanted to grab, grab my Khalil Shakir, you know, grab my Matt Corral in round 19, round 20. Like those are things that, you know, when I, because I was prepared, I was ready. Whereas a lot of times, if you're not prepared, you're going to miss that and watch that value kind of fall back and fall flat every single time. So just preparation. And uh, that's the key to actually finding your value and knowing where to grab you guys at. So some more tips that people are given on this awesome thread that Dave had with this awesome question. So somebody said tears. So we've talked about tears, tears, tears. And tears is a good way to look at it. It's it's just better when you're drafting. He says, I want this guy in this range. I want these four guys in this range. And in the next tier, these five guys, I'm cool with these five guys in this in this range and things of that nature. So I do love the tears. Um, the guy says, don't trade away more assets than you get back. That's pretty good. That's I mean, if you're trading away your first, try to get a third back. Believe it or not, that third could be something. You just never know. So, you know, some people try to match up picks. Hey, I trade you three picks for three picks. It might be, hey, a first and a second for a second and two thirds or whatever the case may be. There's some guys that I play with that always try to get that third or fourth back. And I never understood it until later. I said, okay. So when I need a veteran running back, I can just trade that third that I picked up in that deal. And that veteran back ends up being a Jamal Williams or a Deontay Foreman that kind of helps you to win. And these thirds, they're very important because in the third round is where you find those tight ends, those young tight ends that nobody necessarily grabbed. You find these quarterbacks that could end up be, you know, being Purdy in the fourth round or Zappy. You like you get these guys, and every year one of these guys end up becoming valuable for a point in time. Um, also, somebody says, don't overpay to trade up. That's a rule that I am now sticking with. I never trade up anymore. I only trade back. I trade up if, let's say I need a quarterback. I traded up for Mac Jones. I needed a quarterback to kind of complete my team in my startup, and Mac Jones was the best last available so i traded a second round pick just to you know get back up and then later on in the draft i was able to trade back and recoup that second round pick so it's better to trade down than it is to trade up and if you're going to trade up you trade up at a strategic place to where the cost is not as much as you're trading from oh i want another i want another first round pick people think oh because i have two elite quarterbacks in superflex that doesn't mean anything if the rest of your team is terrible. 
I've also seen somebody say trade for as many picks within that five to seven range in a startup. Talk to me about that, Dave. Do you do you like that strategy? Yeah, and you know, um, Shiller talked about it earlier about looking at the board and seeing where you know where the runs are, seeing where the value is, mm-hmm. and you know to go back to what tiers are. You know, for those that don't know what tiers are, it's like you're clustering players together versus like ranking them like one, two, three, four, five. So anytime you put your rankings out there, everybody, man, you got you got Jalen Hurts at three and not two. You hate Jalen Hurts. No, man, he's the same. Like if I could put them side by side, I would. And, and so like, but you know that like um, you're going to get Hurts at a two round discount than Mahomes. And so they're in the same tier and you're getting this guy at, you know, 211 instead of 102 or, or something like that. And you can do that all the way down the board where you're like, okay, these are my, me, these are the only guys that I think are RB ones. And this, mm-hmm. you know, I can get Josh Jacobs You know, last year. You could have got Josh Jacobs six, seven round. But like that last guy that's like, okay, this is the last guy that I'm comfortable with in my RB1. And I'm getting him in the fifth round versus taking one in the first round, second round. And so it. so that, that's the way I'm looking at it. And, and in five through seven, there's just a lot of talent. And I wouldn't say there's a huge drop-off, but there mm-hmm. is a drop-off, especially in your one-quarterback league. Super mm-hmm. flex leagues, which the majority I play is super flex. It goes a little deeper than that, so probably like the you know eighth, ninth round. But there's a huge gap in there, and a lot of those five to seven guys are arguably just as good as the fourth or fifth guys, and you're getting two of them. I agree. So here's a statement here. It says, fade RBs outside of the top five. How do you feel about that, Shilor? Value is value is value, and it really just depends on where they fall. Um, for me, I'm always trying to grab and super flex. I want to grab my quarterbacks, I want to grab my wide receivers um, every time I can. But when we're talking about taking the best player available, um, we had a draft recently. Somebody took Christian McCaffrey in the first round. And um, when I saw it, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm about to get some value in the second round. So I come back around. I think I'm right around like 2-9. And at 2-9, Brees Hall sitting there looking at me. Now, typically, I'm not going running back. But for me, in this particular format, give me all the Brees Hall I can get. Outside of uh, Jonathan Taylor, he's the next guy that I would actually want to have in a dynasty league. So I snatch him up right there. Mm-hmm. I come back around the third round. Guess who's sitting there looking at me? Travis Etienne. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to grab running back right here. But you know what? There's a lot of value right here. I'm sure I can flip Travis Etienne. And I can hold on to go ahead and Brees Hall, and he's my lead guy. But I can go in and get a top five pick in the rookie draft here for Travis Etienne. And I was able to do that. I literally traded him for the 1-5. So I'm very happy about that. And I'm going to be able to grab me a JSN or Addison or somebody that I like right there at 1-5 where I was able to actually do that. So, you know, it's just a matter of grabbing the value whenever it's available and making sure that you do what you know is the right thing. Um, you should never really fade any position. Take the value every time. It's way better to take the third or fourth best running back than to grab quarterback 15 in your startup drafts. <laughs> Facts. I'm laughing because somebody said um, <laughs> there was a quarterback that was out there. It might have been uh, Pickett or somebody, 
And then they said, man, I'm not taking Pickett this early. I'd rather have, I'd rather have players that know how to play football over grabbing Pickett that early. It's just, it was just in my head. That was just kind of funny. Uh, Dave, so somebody um, put, um, don't reach for players to fill your lineup. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of people do, including myself. I might say, oh, man, I need this quarterback. If it's quarterback, I just got to go you know, grab one. But it's like, could that be an issue in the long, long run, like reaching to fill a spot or to fill your lineup? Because you feel like, oh, if my lineup is set, then I'm good. Hey, I got all these receivers. Why grab more receivers when I can just grab RB25? <laughs> yeah. How do you feel and, about that? I think it kind of hits on a lot of things we've already talked about and the fact of, you know, like you got your like you got your top tier tight ends and you miss out on those guys and you're like, I need to get a tight end. And next thing you know, you're grabbing, you know, David Njoku instead of getting, you know, one of these top, you know, young, young him over like George Pickens or someone mm-hmm. else where you're like, that is a much better asset than but I needed a tight end. No, like go do that. Like for me, there's like that whole middle ground of tight ends. Like I'll just, I'll punt and wait and, and figure it out, but I'm not going to take a better, I'm, I'm not going to take him over a need over a value. I love it. I love it, man. This has been an awesome show for you guys that are new to the dynasty world. Hopefully you guys learned something. Dave, man, thank you so much for your time. Um, Plug yourself. Let the people know what you're working on. Where can we find you? Where can we get your articles, your content? Because you are awesome, bro. I appreciate it, man. Uh, SportsGamblingPodcast.com. That's where you can get all my articles. Um, SGPN Fantasy Football is our podcast channel. And then um, we're on YouTube. And then I'm on TikTok. So uh, Dynasty Dorks on TikTok as well. So, um, yeah, just uh, check it out. And then Dynasty Dorks on Twitter. Awesome, man. I love it. Sheila, where can the people find you, brother? You can always find me on Twitter, 3D Sheila, and also here at the Dynasty Overload Podcast. Man, I love it. So, man, you guys can find me on Twitter at Manny Chakuba. You guys can find my second pod, Talking Sports with Manny. Find me on a YouTube channel. I do NBA. I do fantasy. I do a little bit of that as a buffet table. Grab what you like. And then, uh, you know, once again, you guys are listening to Dynasty Overload, a fantasy podcast. It was an awesome show with our special guest tonight, Dave Hillman, uh, Dynasty Dorks. You guys check him out. He does great stuff. I follow your stuff all the time on Twitter. I'm always retweeting your stuff. I'm commenting on your stuff. You bring some of the best out there. So appreciate you for coming out. Once again, this is Dynasty Overload a fantasy podcast. We are out. Peace.